Good morning and welcome to Walking with Jesus Through the Word, one chapter per day. I am Pastor Jason Van Bemmel from Forest Hill Presbyterian Church. It's our 761st day together in the Word of God. And we're coming to this final section of the book of Daniel, 10, 11, and 12. We'll do 10 and a couple days we'll come back and do an 11 and a couple days after that 12. But this is the final vision cycle in Daniel. And this is the longest one. It takes the last three chapters. The vision is introduced today. We're really introduced to the angelic messenger who brings the vision and the story about how that angelic messenger got to Daniel. And then in chapter 11, we get the vision itself, which continues into chapter 12. And then we get a, a postscript sort of explanation and close to the book. So uh, this is an important section of Daniel. It's also probably the trickiest to understand properly. Um, so let's pray and ask the Lord's help as we dig in together. Father in heaven, thank you so much for your word, every part of it. It's wonderful. It's a gift from you. And we're thankful for it. We ask that you would write Daniel 10 on our hearts. Help us to understand what you would have for us today. And help us to receive your word by faith and respond to it with love and obedience. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Daniel chapter 10. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a word was revealed to Daniel, who was named Belteshazzar. And the word was true, and it was a great conflict. And he understood the word and had understanding of the vision. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning for three weeks. I ate no delicacies, no meat or wine entered my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all for the three full weeks. On the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great river, that is the Tigris, I lifted up my eyes and looked, and behold, a man clothed in linen with a belt of fine gold from Uphaz around his waist. His body was like beryl, his face like the appearance of lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and the sound of his words like the sound of a multitude. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision, for the men who were with me did not see the vision, but a great trembling fell upon them, and they fled to hide themselves. So I was left alone and saw this great vision and no strength was left in me. My radiant appearance was fearfully cha changed, and I retained no strength. Then I heard the sound of his words. And as I heard the sound of his words, I fell on my face in deep sleep, with my face to the ground. And behold, a hand touched me, and set me trembling on my hands and knees. And he said to me, O oh, Daniel, man greatly loved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright, for now I have been sent to you. And when he had spoken this word to me, I stood up trembling. Then he said to me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before your God, your words have been heard. And I have come because of your words. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. But Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, and I was left there with the kings of Persia and came to make you understand what is to happen to your people in the latter days. For the vision is for days yet to come. 
when he had spoken to me, according to these words. I turned my face toward the ground and was mute. And behold, one in the likeness of the children of man touched my lips. Then I opened my mouth and spoke. I said to him who stood before me, O oh, my Lord, by reason of the vision, pains have come upon me, and I retain no strength. How can my Lord's servant talk with my Lord? For now no strength remains in me, and no breath is left in me. Again, one having the appearance of a man touched me and strengthened me, and he said, O oh, man greatly loved, fear not, peace be with you, be strong and of good courage. And as he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, Let my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. Then he said, Do you know why I have come to you? But now I will return to fight against the prince of Persia. And when I go out, behold, the prince of Greece will come. But I will tell you what is inscribed in the book of truth. There is none who contends by my side against these except Michael, your prince. That's Daniel chapter 10. In Daniel 10, we're given a very rare glimpse into spiritual realities. There are a few places in the Bible when the veil that hides the spiritual realm from us is sort of peeled back a little bit and we get a glimpse into things beyond. We can think of when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were in the fiery furnace and one like a son of, of son of the gods, one who looks like a son of the gods, appeared with them in the fiery furnace. We can think of when the angels or the Lord and two angels or uh, came to visit Abram before bringing judgment on Sodom. We can think of the two angels who went into Sodom and, and removed Lot and his wife and daughters out of that wicked, wicked city. We can think of some of the visions that Ezekiel and Isaiah had of the throne room of God or the throne of God. We can think of the book of Revelation peeling back. So there are these places in scripture where the veil is kind of peeled back. The opening of Job is another one. There's others, but they're not that many. And so it's rare. And this one, we get a glimpse into spiritual warfare, conflict in the heavenly places. You know, Ephesians 6 tells us we don't struggle against flesh and blood, but against the principalities and the powers of this present evil age. And so here we have an example of this, this prince of Persia, the prince of the kingdom of Persia, who opposed this heavenly messenger. That's one of those demonic forces, those spiritually wicked principalities. And here we have an angelic messenger, a heavenly messenger who is very unique in appearance. In fact, much of his appearance has parallels to the appearance of the glorified Christ who appears to John in Revelation 1. It's not Christ, okay, because it's an angelic messenger who was able to be withstood by the Prince of Persia for three weeks and needed help from Michael the Archangel, so it doesn't appear to be Christ, but it is one who has sort of a priestly garment on and who is glorious and powerful, and who has insight, and who has strength, and who, again, has some attributes in common with the glorified Christ in the holiness, in the power, in the glory, uh, although to a lesser degree. Remember twice in the book of Revelation, the apostle John was tempted to fall down and worship the heavenly messengers who were 
showing him spiritual things and explaining things to him. He did fall down at the feet of Jesus like a dead man, and that was proper because Jesus is worthy of our worship. But the two, the two times when he falls down before angelic beings, he's told, oh, don't worship me. I'm a, I'm a creature like you. I'm a servant of God like you. And this is this, is this figure here is a, a servant of God. It's just after Passover. And for Passover, there's the Feast of Unleavened Bread for seven days of having nothing with any sort of leaven in it. And Daniel's continuing. It, we're told that this takes place in the third year of the reign of Cyrus, king of Persia. So two years ago from this vision was when the decree went out to restore the people of God to Judah and Jerusalem in direct and immediate answer to David's plea from Daniel 9 that we looked at last time. So just sort of remember the background. Daniel 9, Daniel pleads urgently to the Lord. It's been 70 years. Are we going to be restored? Pay attention, act, do something, listen, or we're going to be without hope. Almost immediately, Cyrus, king of the Persians, issues his decree and the people of God are restored. About 42,000 of them. We, we read about that in the beginning of the book of Ezra. And um, now it's two years later. There are problems already in Jerusalem. There's conflict. There's opposition. The work on the temple has stopped and the city walls have not been rebuilt. Perhaps Daniel's in distress about that. After all, he was waiting. He himself was waiting for the full 70 years from when he was sent into exile as a boy to now being an octogenarian, probably. He's in his 80s. And, and he gets the answer he's been waiting for so quickly. But then so quickly, within just a couple of years, there's violent opposition and there's a, a halting of the work and there's confusion. What is going on? And so Daniel prays again and he mourns. And no delicacies, no meat, no wine for three weeks. And so he's seeking the Lord. He's seeking the Lord, and the Lord answers him with this messenger. We're told that this messenger left right away to bring Daniel the vision, but he was opposed by the prince of the kingdom of Persia for 21 days. And Michael, one of the chief priests, the archangel, the chief warrior angel, uh, we see a warfare between Michael and his host and Satan and his host in Revelation 12. Some people very mistakenly think of Satan as being a counterpart to God, like God's in charge of the heavenly kingdom of light and Satan's in charge of the demonic kingdom of darkness. But God and Satan are not in opposition to one another in that way. Yes, Satan opposes God, but God is God. He's in a category by himself. Satan's a creature his counterpart is Michael, who is the archangel, the warrior archangel who leads the kingdoms, uh, the hosts of heaven, the heavenly hosts. But he's also appointed to protect and guard God's people. There, there seems to be this territorial aspect. We don't want to look into it too much because we're not revealed that, right? These things aren't fully revealed to us. It would be speculative. Some people have, and they've gotten really obsessed with territorial spirits and trying to name the territorial spirits and exercise power over them. That is really dumb. Don't ever go down that road. It's really foolish. That's not biblical. Uh, none of that happens here, right? But we are told that there are powers and principalities in the heavenly places. 
sort of the power behind the earthly powers. So there's the earthly kingdom of Persia, but then there's a, a, a demonic uh, fallen prince, uh, a demon, we could say, who is really sort of working behind the scenes. And then there's the prince of Greece. And so we're at this time of transition that's going to be taking place sometime down the road where the prince of Persia and the power that he's upholding, which is the Persian Empire, that's going to fade. And the prince of Greece and the power that he's upholding, which is going to be Alexander the Great, yet to come in the future, actually it's a ways away, yet to come in the future, um, will be coming. But Daniel gets all of this. What should we take from this? Well, there's one thing that I wanted to really emphasize here, and that is how stunned, how frightened, how shocked, how overwhelmed Daniel was at the revelation of these mysteries, at the power of God, at the glory of the heavenly host, and then how gracious God is to him. So, you know, Daniel loses his strength. He has no breath in him. He falls on the ground. He falls into a deep sleep. He can't even stand up. And yet the angel that comes is coming to bless him. And in verse 19 says, O man greatly loved, fear not, peace be with you, be strong and of good courage. And as he spoke to me, I was strengthened. We must be overwhelmed by the Holy power of God, that God is almighty and holy, holy, holy. And we on our own in our flesh cannot possibly hope to stand before him. We need to be overwhelmed by that sense so that we are humbled, so that when God says, I love you, you don't need to be afraid. You can be of strength and good courage because I'm going to let you stand before me, that we would be overcome by the grace of God. To a sinner such as us, the great and mighty and awesome and holy and magnificent and radiant God, to be gracious to us, sinful, rebellious dust, that's, it's astounding, the grace of God. And I think we need to appreciate that truth. Daniel is showing us this because he wants us to appreciate the utter holiness of God and our utter unworthiness and God's grace to bridge that gap. It also reminds us of what it costs for people to receive revelation from God and pass it on to God's people. It can be a traumatizing experience. It can be a, a puzzling and overwhelming experience for the authors of scripture to receive visions and revelation from God and write it down and pass it on to the people. So we should treasure God's word and seek to understand it and, and to love it and to, and to be thankful for it and to live in response to it. That's what I think God wants us to get from this introduction. And next time we're in Daniel, in a few days, we'll get into the vision itself. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for loving us. We don't deserve it. We don't even understand it. But you love us with a love that is far greater than we could ask or imagine, far greater than anything in this world, far greater than anything we could possibly compare. So we thank you. We thank you. Please help us to live our lives in gratitude for your word and in a humble desire to know your word better, to treasure it more deeply in our hearts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Amen. Well, thanks for joining me for Daniel chapter 10. We are going to go back to Isaiah tomorrow. I hope you can join me for that. And I do hope you have a blessed day in the Lord.